Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believing a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at the Caregiver Space in Manhattan, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number three on Feedspot out of thousands and we do have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? We sure do. <laughs> She's right. You've seen <laughs> Dr. Mark Siegel all over the media this past year. He's one of the great authorities on COVID-19. He's a physician, a professor of medicine at NYU Langone, I hope I pronounced that right, Medical Center. That's just down the block from you, Adrian. An author of multiple books. In and the a city. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an author of multiple books and a contributor for Fox News Network. And I met Dr. Siegel at an essential medical conference in Atlanta, just to let you know, a few months ago. We had a chance to chat. I showed him my book. It's My Life Too, Thrive and Stay Alive as a Caregiver. He thumbed through it and he says, wow, you wrote this? <laughs> he says, you should come on my show. I said, I will, and you should come on my show. He said, I will, and here he is. Dr. Siegel, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you, David. Always a great pleasure to, to talk to you, and it was great to see you at the conference. Yes. Now, I know you only have 20 minutes, so I want to get started. Uh, I'd like to ask all my guests, just who is this Dr. Mark Siegel guy, and why was he placed on this earth? Why was I placed on this earth? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really a writer by training. I, I did graduate writing way back in the day, and I've written six books. The first was a novel about Bellevue. I went to train in medicine at Bellevue so I could write a novel about it. Simon & Schuster published it. I try to abide by the idea that journalism is a form of fiction and that what you, try, what you do is you take the world as it is and you look at it as a slight axis. And when you choose it a way into a topic, you can, you can cut through the dogma or the mistaken beliefs and get to the truth. And my latest book, uh, I'm working on a new book about heroes and COVID-19, but my latest book is COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. And what I did there is I put together my prior fear books, and I said, basically, and it took me months to figure this out, because <laughs> in the past, David, I had written about fear as permeating health scares, and I explained how fear is a driving force in the human brain that overcomes reason. So we think we're being reasonable, but we're really mm -hmm. driven by fear. I was afraid to touch that topic, Adrian, when it came to COVID, because I thought people are going to say I'm downplaying what's obviously a killer pandemic. But right. then I realized this. Then I realized this. <laughs> the greater the, the danger, the greater the fear. So even right. if it's real, that doesn't mean that there's not hyperbole and hysteria. So I wrote the book based on that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's touching my life, uh, actually, as well, because I have a daughter who's an adult, and she has a high-risk husband, and I haven't seen her in a year, and she's just freaked out about this whole thing. Uh, how much fear should we have about this, and how, how much should we allow it to affect our lives? 
such a balancing well, act. Well, fear, huh? fear is supposed to be a warning sign against imminent danger. Part of the problem here is everybody's manipulating your fear for certain reasons. The media does it for ratings. Politicians do it for votes and control. And a lot of these decisions are made in ways that are inconsistent, which David and Adrian is a clue that it's not real. I mean, if, if somebody shuts down an indoor restaurant, that makes sense. But if they shut down an outdoor restaurant when there's been no spread, it makes no sense. You know it's a political move going on in Los Angeles if they shut down outdoor restaurants but there's double the amount of spread going on in government office buildings, for example. I mean, yeah. it, 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 a lot of things are expediency-driven or vote-driven or, or control-driven and or ratings-driven. And all of that has to be factored in if you want to know your own response. I, you know, I, I understand your point, David, about your daughter. And, I, and I've, I've seen that played out in many, many households my, of my patients. There's ways to introduce real science here, though. So, I mean, I'll give you a way. You know, yeah, you figure yeah. out, you start, you start by how much virus is in the, in the area you're, you're talking about. How much virus? I mean, here's an example. Look, if they tell you, warning, 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 if the, if the, if the uh, rate of infection is greater than 3%, we shut everything down. Warning, warning. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's take a pause and look at that 3%. That means that of everyone that thinks they have COVID, 97 out of 100 don't have it. Well, nobody even looks at it that way, right? So like the, a batting the fear, average. <laughs> right. The fear, the fear, well, I don't like the 3 out of 100 at all, by the way, but, but, <laughs> but the way it's presented is to even forget about the 97%. Or they say, we can't be sure if you've had COVID, whether you're immune or not. And that gets right. into everybody's mind as, I had COVID, therefore I'm not immune. Well, wait a minute. That's not the scientific reality. The reality is you most likely are immune. But as soon, the level of uncertainty that's introduced ramps up the fear and makes everybody feel vulnerable all the time. Yeah, you know, I, I just got back from New York because uh, I did another speaking gig out there, and, and uh, I went to go get my COVID test like I typically do. And now all Good. of a sudden, I can't get it the same day. They're saying, oh, we're backed up in L.A. here yes. for uh, over a the week. the rate's very high. And then, and then some people are telling me, well, it doesn't do any good anyway because um, the average uh, fr from, the, from the time you're supposedly infected to the time of symptoms, that can be anywhere between, uh, you know, two days to 14 days. So the average, they say, is about uh, four or five. So what if you're on day seven uh, and you take the test and it comes up negative? They're saying that doesn't really matter because you can come up positive on day nine, right? So uh, well, no, I don't know what to do. No, that's the, that's the uncertainty breeds fear again. You know, they're not using paradigms for other infectious diseases. They're exploiting your fear. The truth is that it's definitely not 14 days. That's an no. outlier. So, so don't introduce that outlier into the general equation. It's my, my science. In other words, if 70% if of the people that get COVID are testing positive, assuming that that test is good, which it turns out it's better than we thought, that PCR is pretty right. good, for, especially if you're symptomatic, but the chances are very, very high that you're going to be positive within five days of exposure, not 14 days. So they add that in because they want to do a little CYA and make sure they're not, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but so, so that's the, the issue is that there's so much dogma in this situation 
You know, wear a mask and you're invulnerable. Wear a mask. A mask is as good as a what vaccine. What kind of mask? Know, a, There's a million kinds of masks right, they're wearing. Right. A ma and a mask is not as good as a vaccine. So, you know, right, what, what kind of a mask? How well are you wearing it? People seem to think, people don't like wearing masks over their noses, so they wear it over their mouth only. Where's the science behind that? The whole thing. And then they come up to your face with a dirty mask hanging off their nose, and they think that <laughs> they're invulnerable. I mean, I... You know, we don't have the science to back up the kind of uh, inexactness that that's going on right now. Yeah, the and kind, the hope. kind of. I mean, well, we're right now. Everyone's talking about a vaccine right on the horizon. Uh, first of all, That's I good. wanted to ask you, how much faith do you have in the speed that these pharmaceutical companies have brought this vaccine to market? And also, if it is a good thing, where's the hope? Where Everything's negative. They're acting like a vaccine is years away. So what, yeah, it's, what's going it, on with that? It's a matter of delivery and, and timing. Yeah, it needs and... to be a temperature and, and this and that. But, but no, it, no, it, the vaccine, we can see it. No, it's no, on the horizon. Yeah, it's not on the horizon. It's it's uh, it's today. It's going to be out by tomorrow or next week. This is a huge thing. This is this is not uh, the same thing. The vaccine is a, is a, is an extremely um, promising uh, discovery. The the mRNA vaccine, the it? ones that are coming out now. Yeah, the ones that are coming out now have been made. Their manufacturing is fast because it's easy to make them. They're they're state of the art genetic vaccines. They're incredibly effective. We found out they work very very well, and I think they're safe. The biggest so, issue is so they're going to have, didn't my, make they have them, minus. Right? <laughs> well, that, that's all. The, that's all the politics of fear. I mean, what, I mean, Trump didn't. Trump has nothing to do with it. You know, but all of these organizations may have a thin layer of politics at the top. The director may be an appointee, but the whole organization itself is is, is are lifers. They go through multiple administrations. You know, have today you I just interviewed. Je go ahead. Today, I just interviewed Dr. Woodcock of the FDA. She's been there for 15 years. She's the head of therapeutics there. I mean, wow. she's an incredible scientist. It's scientists that are involved in this, not politicians. Politicians yeah. are talking about it and creating right. fear from it. Well, how about, let's talk about lockdowns. Are they helping? Are they hurting? What's the risk of watching so many Americans lose their jobs and their bosses lose their small companies? Where's the balance? Extremely disturbing and not based on science. The only science it's based on is Max Golkoff in 1918, who saw that the Spanish flu was returning to St. Louis, and he looked at looked at that, and he closed down the city in advance of it coming, and his numbers were low. That's where we're basing everything on Max Golkoff. The problem is that that's a hundred years ago, and it would be nice if we've advanced since then, so that we can understand viruses better and shut down the places that need to be shut down and open the places that need to be open. I mean, it, it, you, don't need a, you don't need an advanced degree in infectious disease to realize that if somebody comes into a bar at 10 o'clock at night and they're screaming without a mask and there's right. poor ventilation, that other people in the bar are going to get it. That's what close yep. those bars. Figure out where the thing is spreading. And, and what are we doing with all these rallies and protests and mass gatherings? Of course <laughs> it, it's going to spread in, in places like that. As a country, we've been incredibly stupid about this. But you know, but but we're we're at the same time that we're being in denial, we're also overreacting. We're doing both. Was there as much politics with the previous viruses that we had, the bird flu, the swine flu, uh, SARS? Uh, in your opinion, all of that was politicized. All of that was politicized. But the problem is, none of them were this devastating. This is a real deal. The problem is, 
we weren't we we should have been warned i wrote about that in my book false alarm we should have been warned by our inability to even handle a health scare how we would do with an actual pandemic we're not doing right. well we're like the worst country in the world i was saying back in march and april we have the best healthcare system in the world maybe china can't handle this but we can boy was i wrong about that this has exposed our inability to work together as a healthcare system and that the american public doesn't follow basic public health measures yeah. extremely concerning that we can't understand contagion and and this isn't bad it could be worse right i remember the movie pandemic i think it was called yeah where where uh, it was airborne and if you got it you immediately were symptomatic and it was very very contagious uh at least we're thankful that that's not the case right that's a real pandemic well that's science fiction i mean you, you got to go with the really? word yeah. prodrome i mean <laughs> You're not going to die. Well, they scared us with that movie. They you know? scare you. That's what they wanted. Well, they did, obviously, obviously, they didn't scare people enough into public health compliance, did they? No. No. So, what, what can we learn from other states and or other countries who did it right and who did it wrong? Well, well, that's a very, very complicated question. <laughs> Let's start with the idea that the number one thing you can do to help control the spread of a contagious disease is to cut off travel. I notice I didn't say cut down travel. I said cut off travel. Yeah. And that's what Australia did and that's what New Zealand did. You have to cut off travel. I might, I might have considered closing the interstates and closing the airports, and I'm not kidding. Is that you have an area in this country? The interstates as well. Well, well, you asked how to solve it. I didn't say anything's realistic. I said no. that that's what you would have yeah, to do. I, I own a gas that's station, so I'm telling you, there's a lot of people on the road traveling. From uh, It started in Mother's Day. I was cut down to 50% March and April, and then Mother's Day, it just started pick, picking up, and I'm, I'm kind of normal now up. as far as the volume. Yeah, the virus comes in and out of your gas station every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Gee, thanks a lot. <laughs> but it's true, Dave. <laughs> well, that's why we're protected. We wear, I give them N95 masks. Yes. Uh, people criticize me. Say, oh, no, save those for them. Hey, we are uh, the frontline essential workers, you know, when people Absolutely. are coming in, using my restroom, et cetera. So I don't feel bad about uh, using the N95s. I tried to give some you to are. my local hospital. They only wanted them if they were free. Apparently, there's no shortage. Well, there are some places. In some places, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, how, go ahead, Adrian. I, I just wanted to know uh, what your opinion is of how it was handled in New York because we really did bring it down to make um, it manageable. That's a very another very complicated question, Adrian. New York is a mixed bag. I mean, New York had a had the USS Comfort, United States Navy ship Comfort here did absolutely yeah. nothing. We had the Javits it? Center right. open for no, they they had the Javits Center made into a field hospital that worked. That actually took a thousand yes. patients. Yeah, but why they put why they put patients in the nursing homes when they had all these facilities? I, I don't get that. I mean, so that was terrible, and I think we've never we've never treated the nursing home situation properly. And right. I think that nursing nursing homes is like a Kindle Kindle for this because people are sick, yes. they're old, they're, they're living close together. You can't put people with, with COVID in a nursing home. You do that, everybody in the nursing home gets it. We learned that on the right. ships at the beginning. So yes. we, we've been we in New York has New York ended up doing a good job in terms of shutting everything down. And I'm not talking about stay at home orders because that 
that's very um, iffy. Everyone thinks stay-at-home orders solve this. Again, that's 1918 medicine. The problem with that is people spread it within their households. So you could say stay-at-home order, but one person goes out and brings it back, and 70% of the spread in New York was within households, even at the stay-at-home. I think it's yeah. that we closed everything in New York and destroyed New York City completely, but may never recover. Now we're about, <laughs> Monday we're about to go into yeah. close the restaurants again, and I'm, you know what my yeah. response to that was, guys? I didn't know any of them were open, actually. <laughs> I mean, have you been to any? I haven't seen any. Well, <laughs> I on, my, on my well, block, New York's got them in the sidewalks. You know that. You live there. I mean, well, right that's now. Well, the sidewalks, but it's torn. Outside, yeah. That's outdoor dining. They're not closing that. They're closing indoor dining, but nobody's dining outside at yeah, 20 nobody, degrees. I don't, I don't know anybody dining indoors unless there are some of these other states in the union. Anyway, my, my audience, our audience, are burned-out caregivers, and uh, I know they'd love to know uh, because we, we feel that caregiving is an eventuality. Either you're going to become one, you're going to need one, or you actually are one, and it's going to happen eventually to everybody. Uh, have you had any experience with caregiving in your life, Doctor? Well, I know, tell me what you define caregiving. Of course uh, I have. Caring for someone who needs care uh, for whatever reason, whether it's a, a, a child who has special needs, whether it's a spouse who has cancer or going through chemotherapy. I mean, you know the definition of a caregiver. We're talking about family caregivers, family caregivers yeah. versus Unpaid family caregivers. caregivers. Right. If no, they ever I mean, went on strike, doctor, the whole medical system would come to a screeching halt. I mean, hole. obviously, I, as a physician, and uh, and I have a thriving medical practice, and I continue to be available twenty four seven to many of my patients. And I get texts, and a lot of them have my cell phones, and a lot of them are my friends. And you know, during the COVID situation, everyone under the sun is texting me, "Can I get a COVID test?" So I'm, I'm I have an extended outreach for I have an extended <laughs> family. It it has to do with. You know, my, my, my TV network, Fox News, I, I take care of a lot of the network. My NYU Langone family, my own personal family. I mean, uh -huh. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a father of three children. My, my daughter is currently in Tacoma. You know, we're FaceTiming 10 times a day. Uh, my parents are in Florida now. They're in their 90s. My, you know, my other two, my two sons yeah. are here, my wife. So, you know, I, I, view, I view, it's funny that you use the word caretaker, and now you understand my pushback. It's how I view life. That we're there to take care of each other. We call it, yes. in my yeah. faith, we call it mitzvahs. You do right. a mitzvah for people, and then you know you don't look to get a mitzvah back. You just do it. You, yeah. you, you do, do it. it. You, you're there to. And that's the answer to what? my first question. What's your purpose in life? Why did God put you here? And that you just said it beautifully. Well, Creativity I want and mitzvah. I want to respect your time. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I could ask you a whole bunch of other questions, but I know you got to go. Unless you can stay, it's up to you. Uh, anything that uh, you wished I asked you that I didn't? I want to I end by talking about um, something that's related to what you talked about, which is caregiving, which right. is the other part of this is leadership. And what is leadership? Yes. It's, not, it's not a political leader. It's somebody that you trust that has information that you can abide by. And in my own life, it's always been my parents, my father, my mother, you know, they sit on the porch when they were up in New York before they fled the cold and went back to Florida. And I would go there and visit them and have very brief, brief contact. I should have spent more time with them because, again, they're immune. They had COVID. They have somehow recovered from it. Oh, and I've wonderful. talked about that. And, written and they didn't even it. know it? Written a, no, they knew it. But I, I've written about this in my book. In my, in my new book, uh, COVID, The Politics of Fear, The Power of Science, I talk about the porch stories where I visit them and they give me a lot of wisdom. You know, my father actually got better with the help of 
hydroxychloroquine of all things and, and mm-hmm. aspirin and and uh, and uh, and zinc and antibiotics and my mother talked about how here's a story to end on my my mother said to me on the porch you know i had a brother don't you and i said no i forgot about the meaning of brother what brother she said before seven years before i was born she said i a brother was born before me and his name was leonard i said i never even knew leonard i kind of remember she had a brother i said what happened to leonard she said leonard was nine months old and he had bilateral ear infections, mastoiditis. I said, well, that's interesting. In those days, they didn't have antibiotics. What'd they do? She said, they put you in the hospital, and they did a surgical procedure, and they drained your ears. And they often, right. it often saved you, even at nine months. I said, what happened to Leonard? She said, he couldn't go into the hospital. I said, why? She said, the hospital was full. I said, mm. really? What year was this? And she said, 1918. Yeah. That's so that's bad. the kind of stories that are in my book. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's my lost Uncle Leonard. Well, we're and it's a reminder, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing too well these days. We're, we're still back in 1918 in many ways. In many yeah. ways. The more things change, we have the more they stay the now. same, right? Yeah, yeah, but we have vaccines now, and this vaccine is going to save us, mark my words. Hey, we're both coming out with new books. I'm coming out with a new one, Secrets of the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom in Uncommon Times. Excited about that. Tell us about your new book and when it's coming out. No, it's out. It's been out about oh, a it's month. Out. I have another one I'm working on now. I'm working on another one now called Heroes of COVID, but the one I'm talking to you about now has been out. It's a compilation of my fear books, my previous book, False Alarm, which was a bestseller in 2005. I took mm-hmm. all the fear stuff and I, and I rewrote it, and then I, I wrote a, like 120 pages on COVID and the politics of fear and how some of the things I'm telling you on the show today, how politicians use fear. And you mentioned yeah. nursing homes in New York. That's one example. The vaccine is in their therapeutics. How leaders have either failed or succeeded as fear leaders in the time of COVID. So I look at COVID as it's galvanized our fears and, and, and has brought out the best and the worst in us. Yeah. And what's the name and of that's it? That's all in the book, Narr- Narrative Stories. It's called COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. It's out now. And they can get it wherever books are sold. Yeah, and if they're not and, sold, you can get it on Amazon. And Dr. <laughs> Dr. Mark... Book, book well, it is sold on Amazon. <laughs> and Dr. Mark is. Siegel is, is spelled M-A-R-C and yes. S-I-E-G-E-L, just in case somebody Correct. wasn't Jewish and they didn't know. <laughs> no, when can we expect uh, your next book? I'm sorry. Probably about six months or so. Six and I'm months? also working on a long, novel. Huh? I'm always working. Yeah, because I have to finish it. I, I actually just put in the proposal through my agent. But then, what, uh, what's the novel I'm, about? I, I think I want to start reading everything you wrote. <laughs> the new novel, the new novel is oh, not yeah. out yet because the new but novel, your old novel. I, I, my no. old novel is called Bellevue. It's about Bellevue Hospital and how it would look through the eyes of an intern who doesn't sleep. Yeah, so it's it's not a negative or a positive. That. It's just a reality-based novel. Yeah, it's a very positive. Uh, it's about hallucinatory patients. Oh. In, you know, in the time that's of right, HIV the mental. Uh, no, yeah. but that's the joke. I mean, that's the joke. It's not. <laughs> it's not a mental. It's not a really? mental hospital. It's a medical hospital, but but it, it, it has a hallucinatory feel to it. Well, uh, on that note, uh, is mental illness any worse today? 
because we hear so much about it. You know, anytime there's a shooting, well, uh, our mental illness uh, programs aren't doing well. Is it any worse today than it was, you know, when you wrote that book uh, about Bellevue? Right now, it's in bad, we're in bad shape because of the pandemic. I'd say it's worse. I'd say, I'd say that the whole society is depressed right now. Wow. So it's causing it. It's causing it. The cure is worse than the uh, than the thing we're trying to solve. Yeah, that's that's the huge message right now. We're not looking at public health in its proper perspective, which is that it's larger than any virus. It's a larger issue than any virus. Do you have a solution? Are you positive? Are you optimistic about about things getting better? Give us some hope. Well, my solution my, my solution <laughs> would be that we comply with public health measures as we wait for the vaccine to get hold, take hold, which is about to happen. And I'm very much a believer in these vaccines. And should we wear any kind of mask or avoid wearing any kind of mask? Well, keep in mind that cloth masks, even if worn properly, are maybe 20, 30% effective. That surgical masks, those paper ones, are 50 to 60% effective. A KN95, nobody knows how effective, but they're probably slightly better than the surgical. N95s, if worn properly, are 95% effective, but we need them for the healthcare workers. Right. So, so their attitude is it's better than nothing. Is that what you're saying? I would it's, say no. I'm giving you perfect, advice. Either, it's better either, than either a surgical mask, either a surgical mask, change frequently, or a KN95. That's my advice for the street. And if you're in an area where there's a lot of it, I would say wear a shield too, if there's a lot of it. And what's the life mm -hmm. of a paper mask? How often should we change them? Every couple of days. Every two days. That's assuming we're wearing it like for an eight-hour day. And wear it over, over your nose, please. Yeah, I of course. Push down on the so if we only wear it like one hour a day, we can go longer, like a week, one hour a day, something like that? Well, what do you mean one hour a day? You, where are you the rest of the time? Well, let's say we're just home the rest of the time. We just go out yeah, to okay. the store. Would that work? Sure, then you can use it. Yeah, okay. Use it once or twice. Change it once well, or twice Thank you week. very, very much. Uh, if somebody wants to get a advice. hold of you and ask you a question, you got email, well, what do you want to share? Your so my, crit, my Twitter, Facebook. My website is drsiegel.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-S-I-E-G-E-L.com, drsiegel.com. And my Twitter handle is at Dr. Mark Siegel, at D-R-M-A-R-C-S-I-E-G-E-L. Um, if you go to my website, there's an email there. All right. And, hey, I look yeah. forward to being on your show. <laughs> we'll get, you bet. we'll talk. I'll, I'll have you on. I'll have God you on soon, you. David. Thanks for right. having me. Bye, Bye, Adrian. Thank Thanks. You. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. Oh, and I didn't wish him a happy Hanukkah. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell him you said that. I wished you one, right? You got my uh, yes, my you email, did. and I spelled I it did. right. You spelled it right. There so are so are... many different ways to spell it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. So I, I use the American way, right? Well, remember that that one one of the things that you need to know when you're speaking in Yiddish or, or Hebrew is the sound. So yeah, I told my Hanukkah. wife that. I, somebody on the radio said, and we wish a happy Hanukkah. I said, she's, because I'm Middle Eastern, I said, she's not pronouncing it right. It's Hanukkah. you got to exactly. say it right. But, so I'm glad you brought that up. So, But it's evolved. Just like <laughs> Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur. <laughs> it's not Yom Kippur. But, you know, newscasters just say Yom Kippur. It's, anyway, anyway not he, just, he just said it was a great show, and uh, he's going to have me on his show, and I'll text him that you said happy Hanukkah. <laughs> All right. 
So you asked about New York. Uh, I went to Rockefeller Center because it was on the way to the yes. uh, medical, uh, the Academy of Medicine. What, what is the name of that? The place? Academy of Medicine. Med Academy of Medicine. Medicine on 103rd Street. Yes. And Fifth Avenue. And uh, I thought it was interesting how just one block away was a very different neighborhood <laughs> with all of the uh, the housing. The projects. The projects, yes. As and Mount, but, Mount Sinai but Mount Sinai Hospital is there. Yes. That's, so, uh, that's so my... So I'm wondering, you know, I took a picture of... Oh. I took a picture of the, uh, of the tree that de Blasio bought for... Rockefeller Center, I think that's the one, and it was—it looked like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It was missing branches and everything, and then it looked beautiful. What did they? How did they fix a tree like that? Do they put fake branches in the in the bare spots? Do you know anything about that? Well, there are—they put scaffolding up all around the tree. Yeah, and they've got dozens of people working on it. Maybe and I'm looking at a different tree. Is the tree that that uh, De Blasio bought? Where does that go? I don't know. I don't I know. Thought, what, I thought it went I, in Rockefeller uh, Center, but then I'm thinking I don't maybe the Rockefellers so. are buying Rocke the tree. Rockefeller Center, I I believe, is a whole other thing. Yeah, and there's more than one tree in the city, obviously, big ones. Yes. Okay. There's. I, I would imagine De Blasio's tree is near City Hall. I'd like to see a picture of that one. I want to know how he fixed it because it well, was Well, let's sad. see if I can get down there and take a picture for Yeah, you. please do that. <laughs> so you do leave your home, huh? Occasionally. Only only to go to the doctor. I had to go today for a COVID test. Because on Tuesday, I'm having cataract, sur cataract surgery on my Again. other eye. On yeah, other on, eye. on this eye. All right. So um, they... They insist that you that you have the the test beforehand. Yeah, the well, surgery noticed, is amazing. It takes fifteen minutes. You asked about New York. I noticed that um, uh, there weren't any restaurants. Uh, there were there were a few restaurants that took us in, and um, uh, you know, mass of course. Of course. Some were doing indoor dining. Some was not. Uh, you have private parties, I think, is allowed, but everyone was tested. <laughs> And they Limits. took our names down. Limit. There are certain oh. the number it, of people it, it that just, are allowed to be together. It just seemed sad because it's not the same city. People are leaving. No. <coughs> so I say New York is a nice place to visit, but I really wouldn't want to live there. Because right I now California's uh, <coughs> suffering too. Yes, but we do have the weather. I mean, I came back to a. 82 degree sunny day, and I was freezing my butt over there in New York. Well, you when you were here, New York was very cold. Um, and it snowed the day today, after I left. I heard today it's 55. <coughs> well, that's a little warmer. The, oh, it's a beautiful <clears throat> day. It was nice to be out walking. Excuse I me, I'm choking the, over here. <clears throat> I, I walked across town to have the test. It's nice. Nice out. Oh, you got your test? I had to have did you have call. to wait? Did you have to do an appointment? How long did it take you? Uh, an appointment. <clears throat> How long for the appointment? <clears throat> How long did I have? I called yesterday for the appointment. And you got it today? Yeah, See? because I can't do that in California. They told, me I, they told me I got to wait a week, and I don't know what to do because I want to get tested, you know. 
I'm sorry. You, you, they told you you have to wait a week to get the test. They said they checked their appointment. They says everything is full for that, an entire yes, week. So if I signed up so now, right, I won't get it for another week. And so mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, that that's like halfway through the 14 day. And Dr. Siegel says, I'm if you're going to get it, it's probably going to be four or five days. So I'm already on day, uh, when did I get back? I got back on the 10th. 10th? I got back Wednesday, and today is Friday. Yeah. I'm, on, uh, I'm only on day two. So, but I'm not, I'm just staying home. You know, I'm not really going to the gas station either. And uh, I mean, when I was on uh, Fire <laughs> Island, and I had to have a test, um... When I, I had to cross the bay, and then Northwell Hospital, which happens to, you know, owns an awful lot of facilities. Yeah. Uh, they had a 24-hour facility, and I had a 15-minute test. They took the test. I had the result in 15 minutes. It was amazing. Up your nose or saliva or what? That Yeah, up my nose. 15 minutes? I want 15, one of those. 15 minutes. <clears throat> Today it was. Is that because was, you're elderly? Are they giving elderly people? No, no, no. I just, I just needed to have the test because of doctor's appointments. Oh, I see. And Eddie I was going, right? I was going to the uh, pulmonologist, and had to have the test. See, okay. So you and you and it's like a, a an official stamp document mm -hmm. that that. You tested so, negative, and so I was. Uh, I was wondering about this virus that's coming. Uh, virus, the vaccine that's coming out. He says today. I mean, how soon do you want it? Uh, he said he's going to take it. He's going to be one of the first ones to take it. Trump said he's going to be one of the first ones to take it, and hopefully that will ease the fears. Why of would a lot Trump of people. need it? He, if he if he was sick, he just he just said he'll take it to show people that he's not afraid of it. You know, I don't know. Why is Dr. Siegel going to take it? Well, Dr. Siegel's going to take it if he hasn't had it. He's I don't think he's had it. Giuliani's had it, and everybody around him has had it. And more and more people are, are getting everybody it. Everybody who's been around. But I don't know anyone who has died from it. Do you know anyone who has died personally? Yes. Elderly? With no. other medical issues? No. So Dad. Did you answer the question? Are you going to take it uh, as soon as it's available for you no. in New York? And what no. are your reasons? What are your reasons? Well, I have I have comorbidity, pre-existing conditions, and I want to wait and see what the allergic reaction is, and just give it a little time. Yeah. How much time I'm not... is comfortable for you? A year? Six months? Two years? Maybe six months. It depends on. Are you allergic maybe three to months. things? I mean, is it, it, what? Are you allergic to things? Everything. Medications, penicillin, and all that. No, kind of everything stuff? that's airborne. Hmm. Dust. Yeah, I'm allergic to dust. <laughs> mites. And cat hair. Dust, mites, cat hair. Right. Can't be around it. Join the club. Um, so, how about the holidays? What are you gonna? What's your plans for Christmas? 
since they say we're not supposed to have one. My tree is up. Your um, Hanukkah bush. I have. Well, I mean, Eddie's not Jewish, so. So it is an official Christmas tree. So I have this uh, an official. Is it as Christmas tall tree? as your ceiling? You have pretty. Oh tall no, ceiling. it's an, it's not. It's it's on a counter. It's uh. Three feet What's high. the Jewish term for that? A, a minch or something? What's the, how do you say short in uh, in Yiddish? Short. Short. A small. Don't you have a word for that? A mensch. A, a mensch. mensch. No, mensch, mensch is, is somebody who's a good human being. Oh. <laughs> well, I was really off on that one, wasn't I? Yeah. No, small. Okay. I, so. I'm not sure. Well. Jigunda um, is, you know, yeah. it's one thing, but it's big. But. So I got a little behind in posting my syndicated radio shows because after three months, I'm allowed to put them on the network. So I keep sending you them, and I think Victoria Price was one, uh, daughter of Vincent Price. That was a great show. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember who the others are because I can barely remember what I had for breakfast today. But <laughs> um, I'm... Finally came up with, I think, what the cover is going to be on my book, Secrets of the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. I know you don't like it, but the Americans... I, I, I like Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. Uncommon Wisdom for... Okay, so you like half of it. I, but I don't like... I like the old one. We, I like how, you know what the problem is? You know me, and you love me. And for some strange reason, the people who know me and love me, all my friends and relatives, they prefer the same one you do, the Dave's Hammockism. Not by a great margin, but, you know, maybe like 60-40. But okay. when I give the copies to other people who have friends and relatives who don't know who the heck I am, it's a strange, different response. They prefer by a... Um, let's just say a 75%, 25%, and maybe even more than that, um, they prefer the secrets of the hammock. No, is that right? Yeah, secrets yeah. of the hammock. Um, but uh, they do, I mean, we've, we ended up having the same um, subtitle it's for both same, of them. It's the same, yeah. Yeah, because that divine thing wasn't flying and... and no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. It, uh, which, this is good, you know? Yeah. So uh, we're trying to and, get it I out. I mean, and the cover worked with with the type both ways. So yeah. there was not a problem. And we're moving things around. We're putting my name at the top and, and putting the title more in the center and you know, just balancing it more. Uh-huh. And then uh, we were told that, you know, the latest books these days, the New York Times bestsellers, they're not using photographs. They're using... Um, uh, almost a character of the photograph, you know, uh, an illustration. And <laughs> and for some reason, you know, it's, it's all about fashion, right? If you have a, an illustrated and cover versus a, lot a photograph. Of, a lot of them are just typed now. Yeah. So, uh, and that's why you have a publisher, because they know these things and I don't. Depending on the segment that you're trying to reach. It's it's all demographics and marketing. Yeah. Knowing well, that. I think we're going to end the show because it's a it's a short show and it's you know we're in the holiday season and my accountant wants me to give him some information uh, before 
uh, not too long, so I've got a, a deadline. So thank you for coming on on a day that we don't normally do this. And, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, did you enjoy Dr. Siegel? Yes, I did. He exceeded your expectations, didn't he? Yes, a lot he's, of, it, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. A lot of people just yeah. think because he's associated he with a certain truth. network, you know, he, it's he like throw the baby truth. out. Yeah, he does. Yeah, People shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They should have an I, open mind. I don't. People's, I'm not saying you do, but a lot of people do. They they put everything in a box and, and uh, you know, they just need to uh, debate. Used to be a class in school, remember? Yes, <laughs> and of when course. You, when you have a controversial topic, uh, then you take one side, you take one side, and convince, show us, prove to us why your side is correct. But uh, I think that's not going on. I see a lot of censorship, but we won't get into that. I see but a lot of people I, getting fired. <laughs> yeah, and um, not only that, but just bullied, um, harassed, uh, I just can't get the uh, the film out of my uh, mind of Pandemic. people sitting sitting in, yeah. in New York, wherever they were sitting at an outside dining, and they're just enjoying their lunch. And some guys come up and they they throw their stuff on the floor and they they drink their drink and put it back. And <laughs> oh, come on, you know we can't have a democracy of things like animals. that. Animals, animals, they're animals. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And, You're welcome. Uh, appreciate it. And you have a happy Hanukkah. And tell Eddie to have a Merry Christmas. Well, and with that, uh, I, I won't will be on next goodbye. Tuesday. Because of your surgery? Yes. Okay, I'll have to check and see who's, who's going to be sad that you're not on with them. But uh, there'll be other times. You know, you can't, can't hit a home run every single time. No, so, I'm sorry that these things have happened on Tuesdays, but when the doctor's only going to be performing I know, and same thing with me and my, and my, uh, my foot. It's always on a Tuesday, but fortunately it's they earlier. They see their patients Monday, and then they do uh, their thing on Tuesday, and they do their follow-up on Wednesday. It's a routine, okay. <laughs> well, we'll probably air this show on Tuesday like we normally do, so... Mm -hmm. It's okay, because this will be Tuesday's show, so don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. I like, no, 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 I did schedule someone for Tuesday. We'll have to make uh -huh. this one. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something. But okay. I'll, happy, happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. David Nassani. Dave Nassani. Dave Nassani. Mr. Dave Nassani. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you're, you're needed. I am needed. Yeah. You are very yes. much needed. I am you're needed. kind of one of a kind, yes. right? Now we speak all over the country in venues like this and on television, and we try to help caregivers stay alive. The woman I loved had suffered a massive stroke, left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. Everyone is eventually going to become a caregiver, okay? Yes, even attorneys. <laughs> and everyone needs to learn how to become a caregiver now, not after tragedy strikes. 
Well, the first mistake the caregivers make is they don't know how to put their needs first. Mm -hmm. Now, the airlines tell us every time we go on an airplane that an oxygen mask will fall. Put your mask on first before you help your loved one with their mask. Right. Hopelessness. I felt like I was just sentenced to life in caregiver prison with no way out. Everyone has one of these. It's called a cell phone. <laughs> you turn it on, you punch in your number. Hello, Mom. I need help. Grandma's driving me crazy. <laughs> call your brother. Call your sister. Call your wife's ex-husband. Call anybody. Get over that silly notion that if you can't do it all by yourself, you're a failure as a caregiver. I realize there are so many other caregivers out there who are hurting and feeling lost and alone. And I didn't want them to hurt anymore. It's called Sanford and Son. Right. right. He is undeserved guilt. It went something like this. Oh, oh, it's a big one. No, son, really, it's a big one. Elizabeth, I'm coming to meet you, honey. She's amazing to watch. She makes us normal people look like whiners and complainers. I mean, she's my hero. So now I host a popular iTunes podcast, The Caregiver's Caregiver Radio Show. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. Join our team. If you know someone, tell them to join our team. We want to be your support. We want to love on you. Dave is an amazing man. I was in tears when I heard his story. He spoke from his heart. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver, not just survive. Every caregiver's life is a love story. Let me help you make that love story one of hope and triumph. Thank you very much. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first 
Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep breathing, it's gonna be okay. Believe in a path. 